Hello you guys, welcome to my channel. My name is LaVon and she who speaks is the name. Today, I will be talking about learning to love yourself, flaws and all. And we have a guest speaker with us. His name is Rashawn and he will be helping us cover these topics and you know, share his stories and my stories together. So, Rashawn. Hello. Hello. So, I want to um first ask you what does learning to love yourself mean to you okay um as for the title learning to love yourself uh, the definition for me is a bit uh, different for me it's more like uh, self-realization like understanding yourself i believe that a lot of the uh, problems with uh, people having with hating themselves or not giving themselves due credit is because they don't understand who they are or what they're capable of so my approach is to uh, help people build more meaningful lives and to um, uh, you know give them understanding of that they are more capable than what they actually think and in doing so it would bring someone into the knowledge of knowing that they are uh, worthy of uh, self-love self -love, respect and more importantly okay that's pretty good well i want to say loving yourself to me means being true to your most authentic self reaching your goals self-love overall when i say reaching your goals meaning tapping into yourself figuring out what upsets you figuring out what makes you happy and also loving you not depending on someone else to you know mm. depend on your happiness so <laughs> almost got that but I want to go into loving yourself with your flaws mm. I have a lot of flaws you guys and I just want to say I did not love myself so this topic is very um hmm how should I say sensitive to me because I never shared like my story and this is why I developed this podcast because I feel like I can speak my truth so I just want to speak on my flaws and I know you can come in whenever you feel yeah. but with me we all know I have a gap uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes Yes, I have a gap. And I mean, like, the norm is like people that they don't have a gap. So it's like, I was, I felt like I was the outcast with that. Um, the color of my skin, always as a young girl, you know, I would be looked down because I'm dark skinned. And I had curly hair, so my mom would always perm my hair or you always say hey we're gonna get you braces I mean it wasn't bad I mean I have straight teeth but it was like you know that was something that was like really main focused on so I didn't love myself for those characteristics of myself um my I had other siblings as well I mean they, they had the same features as me but as I would say again I developed more faster and um I was not the oldest so but I always was like the biggest mm. um I will be like oh well hey she has pretty eyes but other than that I don't see anything that's beautiful about her or it was just it would be the little things oh well she's not smaller like everyone else or she don't know how to sing or she don't know how to do that so those flaws were something that I had to live with for so long so I really didn't know how to love myself um so in my childhood like it wasn't something like I would say happy for me and then going into like my adulthood trying to date trying to be uh, in the professional realm as you would say working I never had confidence in myself in those aspects so like I would see like men with their woman and I'm like oh they're beautiful but I was like you know I always wanted that but then when I had that chance like I didn't feel beautiful in my relationship I always felt like I had to 
be something or be better for my partner like oh i have to lose weight for him oh he thinks this person look good so i want to look like them mm-hmm. oh well it was always like a guy was like oh you're lucky to be black oh because you're beautiful and stuff like that and i was like oh okay so it's like oh i never dated a black girl not trying to be rude but i get that a lot and then it's like oh because the attitude or because they're like you know idolized a certain way so it's like oh well i only date spanish girls or i only date white girls and it was like well why are you dating me kind of so it's like even when people or the guys or my family members would say that i never felt like i was important because like i I wasn't you did they never made me feel like i was important and then when it comes to acceptance and i said they never made me feel that's where i start to um, educate myself now because no one can make you feel anything you have to already have that within you so now when i look back on things i was lost i did not love myself i did i hated my flaws and i still have them and i love them now and they're not going anywhere unless i want to fix them like we can fix things about ourselves but we can't change who we really are like this is how i am and like trying to change myself even when like i was in you know everyone knows that i was in the foster care system like i had got braces and then like my retainer had broke but people it was like i got so much attraction when i had my gap and then like when i got it fixed it was like no one talked to me and i was like oh my god (laughs) well you look like everyone else right so it's like when i was picked on i was different but when like everything's fake it's like okay Mm -hmm. so now i got my guy (laughs) and like i mean it's all right i'm living with it but you know people like oh wow you got a gap and i'm like yeah hey (laughs) going (laughs) but yeah okay well um what about you as far as your flaws oh flaws um loving yourself uh yeah it was a difficult journey to understand who i was be comfortable with uh, where I was at the time. Yeah. Um, growing up, I was um, I was in a military family, so we traveled around a lot, and so um, I would always be ready to pick up and go at a moment's notice uh, in case my father had another deployment. Um, so I could never feel like I made a deep connection with uh, certain kids, um, other people around me. Um, also because um, I grew up for most of my life overseas. Um, I think the first deployment I ever went to was England, and I lived there for the next uh, two years or so. And, you know, television and games and all the other stuff was totally different back then overseas than it was in the mainland uh, here in the U.S. Um, So uh, when I had moved back to the U.S. uh, for a short time, um, uh, rather, sorry, I had moved to Japan first uh, after England, so for four years, so that was six years of my life, um, my early formative years um, living overseas, um, not experiencing, you know, main culture, pop culture, um, not getting a whole bunch of references, and, um, you know, everything that I knew was either Japanese or something that other military kids would know. That's tough. Um, (laughs) So after that, when I had finally moved to the U.S., back to Ohio, um, I went in the school system and I could not connect to anyone because they would be talking about some show that they had seen in Cartoon Network. I think Samurai Jack was popular at the time. That was, yeah, I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> that was old. Yeah, so <laughs> everyone was talking, all the guys were talking about it at least, and the girls were talking about Powerpuff Girls and yes. all the other stuff. <laughs> and I'd just be sitting there and be like, oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds 
nice. Trying to fit in. Yeah. And I have no idea what this is even about. And I'm just imagining what it would be like and then saying whatever comes to mind about what it would be like. Uh, but they would tell. They're like, oh, you never seen an episode or something. Right. Um, also, my behavior was different because um, I went from England to Japan. So in England, everything had like this, you know, slight... Uh, properness to it you know you have to do you know act and move a certain way mm-hmm. although I was I was still young in England I still picked up a few things so I wasn't um, as uh, forward as much of the other American kids were mm-hmm. um, especially in Japan where everything is also reserved um, right. you know um, they keep to themselves you know you don't show too much emotion at once um, but so when I had gone through that system, uh, yeah, a lot of kids weren't around me. They didn't like to be around me. Um, I tried to make friendships, but um, it didn't really end uh, up how I thought it would, or it wasn't as easy as I would hope it was, um, because a lot of them had grown up to, with each other from you know kindergarten all the way up to like third grade or so, and I was the new kid, so. Um, and a lot of them knew their families, each other's families, or they had um, older brothers or sisters who were in the class system before that. Um, so the teachers knew who they were and all the other stuff. So um, I, get, I guess I got it from both sides, I suppose. Um, so I felt um, from that moment on the feeling of an outsider. Um, I was always in the back looking at people. Mm-hmm. And um, it continued on. Um, Every time I moved from Ohio to Texas, um, back to Ohio in a different uh, school district, and then back to Texas in another school district, and then eventually back to Japan. But um, everywhere I went, um, I could never make um, a meaningful connection on the whole with um, uh, my peer group. Um, So got me thinking it was like what is wrong with me you know what am I doing wrong mm-hmm. what am I saying wrong do I look too different maybe I am ugly maybe I'm um, too weird or uh, you know things like that and um, yeah I went to a really rough time of it in Texas because um, I was living in a small town called Del Rio it was on the border of um, Mexico in Texas it was about mm, <laughs> maybe like an hour or less drive um, from there is San Antonio and El Paso is a little bit um, a little bit out the way a little bit less of a drive um, but in this small town it was basically like trans Mexico basically you know everyone spoke Spanish everyone um, had Hispanic blood relatives um, you know, and again, it was that small family, you know, experience. Everyone knew each other. Everyone grew up with each other. Right. Um, um, so when I was going through there, um, I didn't speak Spanish. So from the jump, I was kind of uh, excommunicated. Oh, yeah. Already. Yeah. And uh, to this day, I kind of frown upon Spanish, you know, because <laughs> of that, because it, it made me upset. But I'll get over it eventually. Um, so... Uh, during that time, it was some of the most harshest bullying I had gone through um, because not only was I dealing with uh, the kids, there was also you know the the gangs and the drug related oh, incidents. Oh, you experienced that? Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's a very very big thing. Like there are a whole bunch of different cartels, and they were recruiting kids very young um, in the schools. I think I was uh, middle school. Um, even to junior high, you know, a lot of the kids um, were a part of, uh, or being groomed to be part of these gangs. Right. And so, if I got angry or if I react a certain way, I could immediately become a target for like uh, for one of these kids. So I, that made me even more introverted. I suppose I withdraw, withdrew even further into myself, and I started to see um, my. Um, you know, my weirdness or my um, my being an outcast is also being a protective shield. So um, I started to say, um, I guess, to 
revel in being different and being, um, you know, on the outsider. So I would make myself even more different. I would say and do things that make me even more different, more apart. Or, on the other hand, um, if there were certain people that I wanted to get to know, I would start to um, uh, put on different aspects of myself, like different masks, so to speak, in order to um, uh, get what I wanted from that person or to make them comfortable enough to be around me um, so that I could get through the school year, basically. Um, so That's tough. different groups, really different groups I would go up to and um, I would act like, you know, this hard street kid right. for no reason. Um, because that's how they operated. And then another group... Um, that was for acceptance. Well, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, another group was a bunch of goth kids back then. You know, goth was uh, more popular than it is now, uh, that's for sure. Um, so, um, I would dress in all black and then go hang out with that section of kids at the lunch, you know, at lunch tables or the cafeteria and just sit there and talk with them. Um, you know, just hopping from table to table, not, um, not, uh, being there for a long period of time, really. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Not to cut you off, but you spoke on hopping from section to section, you mm-hmm. know, with certain different children, well, certain children or different people and groups. How did that help you? in a way and how did that shape you now mm-hmm. into who you are as being an adult with trying to transition and wear that mask and have that accept- acceptance from so many people did that kind of mm-hmm. uh, bring conflict in now that you are in the states mm-hmm. with trying to be accepted and meet other people and have a, like a friendship right well I would say that there was a time in my life where I was wearing so many different masks that I didn't remember who I was anymore, essentially. And um, when I came to that realization, um, I was hurt. I was broken for um, for a while. And um, it, it took a few things, you know, religion or, um, you know, good father figures in my life to um, situate me and give me my identity back, you know. I was able to piece together all the things that I had thrown away um, uh, absentmindedly trying to appease everybody I was around. Um, but through that, you know, through that experience and learning, um, I learned that there are different types of masks that there are, um, that are masks that are helpful and then there are masks that um, detract from you as a person. Yes, yeah. yes, they are. <laughs> like there are healthy, there are healthy masks um, mask that you would give a stranger mm-hmm. you know you don't know them so you put up a certain amount of guard you don't um, try to tell them your life story um, and you go on your merry way um, but then you have people um, who you trust to a certain degree and so you're willing to open up more and so you have a different mask for them you know and then finally your final persona or mask so to speak is who you are when you're alone when you're by yourself you know, those three types, I think, are the most positive, I suppose. Um, and what I've learned when wearing a mask, um, you choose which one you use, and you have to um, choose what it looks like on the outside. Yeah. And you have to choose, um, find the ones that bring the most positivity to your life, and not ones that um, try to morph you into something that you truly are not. That's like a really learned skill Mm -hmm. to do because when it comes to like you were in the military and you travel and you had to transition and go from different state to different people and up and move because, you know, your family. Like me being in the foster care system, I constantly move. I don't know how many states you've been in, but I've been in a total of 27 foster homes Mm -hmm. and, um, they were for short periods of time. I first entered when I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. So, like moving, um, it you definitely have different masks. You definitely you are with different people. You're around different people. You have to act a certain way. You don't want to, you know, 
be judged or for me I didn't want to get hurt Mm. so um, I kept to myself I was respectful Mm. I did whatever anybody wanted me to do whatever home I was in and I stood out the way as much as possible so like that did not it helped me Mm -hmm. what like you say it helped me with other people like with strangers and then with family members um it was kind of difficult and I have like problems with it now with my family and relating to them because they don't know who I am Mm. like for instance with my sisters they don't know who I am they don't understand why I don't communicate with them and reach out to them they don't know why I'm not as loving as I should be and it's because I've never could do that Mm. um and I had to be strong for myself because I was always by myself and we were split up so like it hurts me now and it hurts me when I can't give that love and affection to my family members or my mother or I can't pick up the phone because I was in the system where you can't be with your family right right. so being away from your family for a total of 21 well well not 21 I aged out at 21 being away from your family and you were with your family but not with your father as much I believe but being away from my family for from 16 years mm. like no contact um no initiate contact yeah, yeah no no vi- i didn't see them no pictures like it made me numb right. so like wearing a mask and like you say at the end of the day um i didn't know who i was like you say, when you go and sit down or when you behind closed doors in your room, like I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was here for, what was my purpose. Um, mostly when it came to friends, like I, I couldn't meet friends. I didn't have any friends because I was always moving too. So I would meet somebody for about like a month and then go. Right. So it's like I couldn't meet friends and then I got tired and I was like, I don't want to meet anybody. And then like at my last foster home, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to tell everybody everything. Hmm. Only a select people that I want to like know like what's going on. Yeah, it's important to have trusted people. Right. And um, sometimes when you trust people, you can't really trust them. Because they'll tell at the end of the day and they'll use it against you. That's what I had to learn too. That's possible. But, yeah. I mean, one of the uh, gifts. I'm saying they'll use your flaws against you because that's what happened to me. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess I would say that um, one of the gifts that you've learned that, well, anyone who learned who has been an outcast or uh, on the outskirts, you yeah. learn to observe people. You learn to see how uh, people think how they react you know we see other people's flaws right and what we should be doing is using that to self-reflect in our own life you know the same way that we analyze other people we should analyze ourselves um and going into what you're saying um uh usually when we try to pick a trusted person to tell um our you know, our needs, our wants, or our pains, or our sufferings, right. you know, um, it's usually a lot easier for people who uh, can analyze people like the outcasts because they're usually a better choice or, uh, of persons, but uh, there can be a point where um, where someone who is so positive or uh, so uh, kind or loving on the surface, they come to you smile at you and they give you this comfort and then you just your all your barriers just break down and you yeah. tell them right you know and you didn't give them the due diligence that you do everyone else like mm-hmm. by analyzing them you know right. you know a man by his fruits so to speak you know and sometimes we get that rosy colored glass and we're thinking you know all oh, this person would never hurt me and then um you know before you know it you get you know bit by a snake you didn't know why yeah, and that goes in and transition into what um, you were sharing with me earlier. Don't, like, when you get bit by a snake or with your friends, family members, or someone you trust, like, how could you overcome that and then accept someone without blaming them because you gave them that information? Mm-hmm. So, it's more so, like, moving on. Yeah. And uh, accepting what's been done and forgive. Yeah, one of the things that... Um, 
I always try to say to people who are trying to um, love themselves or realize who they are yeah. is that you have to start to take responsibility for the things that happened in your life. Um, even if it seems like it, there was no way it was my fault. You know, like that may be true. Right. But it becomes your fault when you use that as an excuse for your, you know, like using the past as the excuse for your present actions right. and maybe yeah. your future actions. Um, or even um, not realizing that you did play a part in whatever trauma or whatever uh, thing happened to you. No one's saying that the blame is solely yours, but you have, you're able to admit to yourself, yeah, maybe if I wouldn't have admitted so much to this person, maybe um, we could have grown into a relationship where they did actually um, care enough about me. Right. That they wouldn't tell all my secrets. Instead to of telling someone. everything. Yeah, not from the jump. You know. Well, I mean, and sometimes you just honestly don't mm-hmm. have that person where you could tell, like you know, your secrets too. So you want to tell somebody, but mm-hmm. you know, you don't know who that person really is, or you can trust right. them. But sometimes you get to the point where you don't want to hold so much in mm-hmm. and get frustrated. Like, because that, that's what happened to me. I got frustrated. I couldn't tell my story. Or still to this day, like, like in my foster mom that I stayed with for the longest, for over, like, five years, um, she really don't know who I am, what I've been through. And when I say certain things, she or she's like, drop her jaws. and like, that happened to you? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it takes time to really get to know somebody. Right. Like, with me, I can know you for like two to three years, but I'm not going to know everything about you. Mm-hmm. So it takes time for me to open up to somebody and because I have to trust. Like, I'm not saying I have trust issues. It's just more so you got to be careful because once you tell somebody something, I look at it as I expect you to res- understand mm-hmm. and to give what I give back to you. Like, listen to me, respect me. And when I connect with somebody, I never want them to go away. Like, if we have a bond or a connection, that's something I'm willing to keep. Mm -hmm. So, more so, going into accepting yourself, loving yourself, and me, finding yourself. (laughs) Like, finding yourself, it's hard. I mean, you're there, but literally finding, like, Mm -hmm. you, your purpose, like, your voice. Like, that's something that has been a challenge but I definitely has like overcoming it but I want to speak on self-acceptance okay Uh, what does that mean to you um self-acceptance um means that uh I guess to say that you are okay with who you are yes that you um, there you go that you realize (laughs) you know I may not be the best, mm-hmm. but I am, the, you know, that I still have potential to be the best, mm-hmm. I suppose, is also a part of it. Um, self-acceptance is um, also... Mm, it's like realization of, like, who you are. Mm-hmm. Realization is the first step of accepting, mm-hmm. one, this is me. If I have an attitude, mm-hmm. I have to accept that I have an attitude because people can project like oh you got a bad attitude but he's like no I don't or you don't listen to no accept your flaws accept it realize it grow from it and move on so that's something um that I feel like I've challenged because I have an attitude Mm. and I have a mouth Mm. and I never understood like why people say I got like a bad attitude when I get angry do you think that uh, like do I? <laughs> I mean, sometimes. I mean, just to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, but everyone expresses themselves differently. Right. And um, in a uh, positive note, because you're more vocal in the way you express yourself, it allows people to be able to address the problem easier mm-hmm. rather than, you know, some people, like maybe even me, um, when I get angry or upset, I would draw into myself and I retreat someplace and yeah. you know, I go read a book or, you know, you know, and calm myself down that way. Um, so it's like but everybody yeah, has so, different paths. Yeah, everyone has different ways. Okay. You know? And I guess the other thing with self-acceptance is what comes to that is self-responsibility. 
well, I want to say flaws. Mm-hmm. Everybody out there, we all have flaws. Generation now today is more so uh, image-based. Whatever we see is what we want or we want to be like or mm-hmm. trying to shape my life as that. I want to speak to the public. So, so whoever is listening, you guys, just know that you are worthy self-worth is important self-love is important if you don't know what self-love is it's more so it's tapping into who you truly are giving some time to yourself every day whether it's reading for 30 minutes reading the bible you know listen praise and worship listening to some music um taking that walk taking that gym class that you want um giving that family time that you need exercising work on that project that you wanted to do do something for yourself and understanding like who you are where you come from investing more time so to speak is what i'm trying to say for you Mm -hmm. because if you don't at least give yourself time out of the day like we get so caught up Mm -hmm. in today's world oh we gotta work first thing you get up you know you do i gotta work yeah but it's uh, like yeah, uh, modern day culture, we have so many things being thrown at us at once. You know, yeah. on TV, ads constantly throwing at you. To be a man, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. Or to be a woman, you have to look like this. You yes. have to, <laughs> you know, you have to do this. Like modern, you know, uh, women's magazines, you know, I'll read the mother on the rack and I'm just like, wow. You know, they're telling a woman, you know, to be freely sexual with anyone at any time. You like, because that's how men do it. You know, it's like, well, no, you're a woman. Right. They are men, you know. And it's, it's two different ways that men and women um, interact with something yes. like that, you know. You are definitely correct. Um, and it's like it's just like heartbreaking for me because there are a lot of younger girls who are seeing this. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the statistics I wanted, well, I don't really have the statistics in front of me, but um, one of the facts is that um, uh, as a whole, uh, men and women's uh, suicide rate has been going up steadily over the years and uh, more specifically young women and young men Um, young women attempt suicide at such a higher rate um, than young men at the moment and more so at a younger age yeah it's increasingly younger age you know 13 to 12 to 10 it's it's getting ridiculous and part of that is I think uh, social media um, because girls are looking at other girls who, um, who have learned how to use makeup more effect- effectively than they have, or uh, supermodels and following supermodels and watching their everyday life and interactions. Um, I have to come in and say something on that. Okay. Because, honestly, I would be on social media and I would see beautiful women. Like, y'all know y'all have them instagram models or like people that have like you know have their makeup page and honestly like i would want to look like them mm-hmm. because they're beautiful like they it's like the likes the attention like you right. know how many people that like that's like it gets addicting mm-hmm. so like i have fallen short and like you know getting the latest updates on the hair weaves mm-hmm. on the makeup mm-hmm. body image as well <laughs> like i want to look like her I got to go to the most extreme to lose this amount of weight and then get frustrated and then hurting yourself and then Mm -hmm. weight gain, weight loss. Like, those are something that's really hurting us. So I'm glad you covered that. Well, I mean, at the same time, you got to realize that these girls and, you know, even modern women, you know, you're comparing yourself to someone's highlight reel. You know, Mm -hmm. this is the high moments of people's life. Not everyone's going to post, you know, the the darkness. The before and after after picture. Right. You know, and these young girls are getting in their mind, like, you know, to be popular, I have to look like this or to be um, accepted in society or for people to like me, you know, by using the likes or the hearts or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, um, they have to look like this, you know, and when, and some women just aren't capable of looking like that woman. Every day is stressful. Like, I know I have little sisters and not speaking on them, but like my podcasts are real. So if you are offended, I do apologize. But 
like my sisters you know sometimes they want to be models and I'm like you know you can be a model but you don't want to show your body you mm-hmm. have to put some clothes on you want to wear too much makeup you want you know but it's like you know what well, this makes me feel beautiful this makes me look beautiful this is what I have to do and it's like no that's what you do not have to do like but behind closed doors you're really struggling mm-hmm. like let's talk about the real we can't pay bills mm-hmm. on time <laughs> lights water bills do car payments do no food in the fridge but you out here buying the latest hair weaves and makeup (laughs) for a picture yeah and it's sad because you're struggling and crying and hurting but you have to be accepted you have to look good you have to get the attention from that boy from this business from for my likes like your classroom of whatever year like 2000 uh 2020 classroom coming up right so it's like oh they're hating on me or they're looking at me i have to have this image i have to be greater or better but it's like what about you Mm -hmm. how do you really feel are they helping you you know before the advent of social media people didn't have uh, the ability to look at everyone's lives and be involved in how everyone looks yeah. uh, so much you know if a girl came in knowing how to use her makeup she was the only one mm-hmm. and everyone knew you know but everyone else but she would just be the only one right you, know, you wouldn't have everyone <laughs> looking the same type of makeup the same smoky eye the same um you know contouring lessons that everyone exactly. just suddenly picks up you know yes and so that brings even more stress on the everyday girl who's just like growing up like i don't know this or maybe she can't afford the makeup you know kits and all the other stuff that they are but that goes into pressure too when i can't afford something they'll people will go to their most extremes to be accepted on like oh well i'm gonna spend my last paycheck on this on these hair bundles which is 200 to 700 dollars or i'm going to get this makeup Mm -hmm. so i can look a certain way or so i can attract a certain man that goes into social media Mm -hmm. dating online (laughs) yeah i mean you know and these 10 10 year old girls here you know looking at this and they're realizing i can't be like that i can't reach that standard i can't be that goal not real sometimes you know some of these girls they have professionals in the background you know these models are professionals in the background doing their makeup for them or doing their hair for them or even photoshopping their videos and um photos for them to look a certain way and you know it is unnatural for a woman to even look like that sometimes not all the time no no no, not all the time but i'm just saying you know for you know certain for young girls especially oh you can't you can't look like a kylie jenner when you're 10 you know your body isn't developed yet you need to you know give yourself time um but they don't see that that way and they're not thinking like that you know they see everyone else copying that and when they realize that Mm -hmm. they cannot physically do this the depression comes in oh yeah definitely definitely depression because um speaking on an experience with one of my family members like if a guy calls oh she runs to the bathroom like no 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 oh this guy's calling me i gotta put my wig on i gotta put my makeup on so it's like you wear a face what you're saying mm-hmm. i wear a mask every day i wear fake hair every day he's not going to accept me or this person's not going to love me this way because that's not how i came to you mm-hmm. that's not how you wanted me that way so it's like more so wearing that mask and what you were speaking on measuring your self-worth to other people right so the up and downs is out of control to me right totally out of control um you know and for young men you know the thing is um there aren't a lot of there aren't enough real men out there right right now i'm glad you spoke on that i mean there aren't enough you know real male models um role models so to speak um for young boys to look at because uh, the followless rate in America is steadily growing up and it's not just in the black community where it's been a problem for years it's also in you know the white community and the Hispanic community is slowly starting to pick up the pace um, you know this uh, fatherless fatherlessness uh, culture is speeding up you know? yeah and um, you know these kids are young men are growing up without knowing how to be men the responsibility of the father is to (laughs) give the identity to the son or the daughter Mm -hmm. for the father to say to the son you know you are a man and you um and this is how you operate as a man 
you, you protect women. You uh, you are the uh, head of the household, which means that you are the protector of the household. So you protect the woman. You make sure that um, everyone in your household has food to eat, has a place to sleep. You know, and not only that, that you um, that there is um, well, what to say that there is love, that there is affection in doing that. That you feel good when you do these things. Not feeling like it's pain. Stress. I mean, it starts out like that when you're just a kid, but you know, when you start growing older, um, when you start taking care of something that you truly care about, you know, you get that sense of pride. That's um, and scientifically, uh, testosterone is shown that when uh, higher levels of testosterone means higher levels of generosity in men. You know, um, men will go out their way in order to make sure that you know. Another guy has something to eat, you know, at a bar. You know, you're all having, having a good time, but their friends falling on hard times. He doesn't have enough money. He's like, no, don't worry about it. I got you. I will pay for this, you know. Um, or even like a woman, you know, she doesn't have her coat. You know, you don't really know much about the girl, but you're like, it's freezing outside. I can handle it. You know, a man will brave, you know, the wild, so to speak, in order to protect those who don't have the capacity to do that. Right. Yeah. You know? And that's what a man is supposed to do. And that's how a father is supposed to teach the kid growing up to be, um, you know, to be that kind of man, you know. And um, not only that, um, to learn the rules about how to treat um, other men and the rules how to treat women uh, um, when you're growing up, especially in the dating realm. Um, because without that knowledge, then boys start to take things for granted or they start to stop seeing women and other people as people and start seeing them as objects, you right. know, you know, if I... Which know, is happening today. Yeah. If I want sex, I have to get it from a woman, you know, and... You have way, to take the proper steps to get that from a woman. Well, yeah, but, you know, but they don't have the man teaching them the right way to do it. Right. You know, you have, you know, uh, rap songs, you have all these other... You know Instagram and all these other people telling them you know to get a to get a girl you just got to go to the club get her drunk you know talk her up and then you know you boom you know. head up now it's, it's just worse like it's just oh I meet her on Instagram we talk and we have sex mm-hmm. and we hang out right and it's and, got worse and then that's like destructive for both of you because now now you reinforce the idea that women are objects and now the girl is thinking you know now i have less of worth because he picked me up and then he dropped me like i was nothing so it's more so understanding your self-worth and um speaking on that glad you're here from a man's perspective like do men or like boys tend to measure their self-worth by just being with a woman or being accepted by that woman how do you think Men measure themselves. Um, with women, um, men uh, like to be complimented. We like uh, men like to be uh, noticed. They like attention. You know. Even if they're in a relationship and another girl says, oh, they like your hair and all this stuff, they get happy inside. Um, but that also is where men get in trouble because they get happy and they're like, oh, thank you. And then they might end up inadvertently flirting without understanding why. You know, and then, you know, their actual wife or girlfriend gets upset and they're like, oh, what did I do? It's like, well, because, you know, you gave a little bit too much attention. Yeah, just a just little bit. <laughs> but that's totally but understandable, that goes in, though. Yeah, it yeah. goes into having a father there to mm-hmm. tell you, say, hey, when a girl gives you attention, you already have a relationship, mm-hmm. accept the compliment, thank her, and then we'll let that be it, you know. Exactly. You know, um, because you have a responsibility now, now that you're in a relationship and so on and so forth. Right. Um, as far as other self-worth, um, uh, like I was saying, that men feel more um, uh, love and affection or uh, self-worth when they're protecting something or when they're building something from the ground up or uh, when they're responding to a call of adventure. Men um, love adventure. They love to go out and do things to make things happen, to see things um, grow from their own hands, from their own hard work. And that gives men uh, a certain amount of pride and uh, feeling that this is my stable, this is where I put my flag in the ground and say, I did this. Right. You know, that is what um, you know drives a man forward. You know. So you can see this in men in their cars, you know. 
guy finally gets enough money, he gets a car, and then um, he starts treating it like it's his baby, you know. He starts washing it every day. He starts, he makes sure he gets a certain amount of wax on um, on the front hood. That's right. Change the, change the, uh, the rims on the car to match, you know, you know their mental um, idea of what the perfect car is going to look like. You know, getting the tune-ups and all that other stuff because it is his, and, not, and he worked for it. And, um, and he built it to what it is now. Okay. Which is also another problem is that um, a lot of the men nowadays are too used to, you know, getting handouts, you know, which right. is a problem. If you don't work for something, you won't respect it. Mm-hmm. If you don't, especially for a man, if your man it didn't work for it and, you know, put blood, sweat, and tears into making something happen and it's suddenly given to him, he starts to take it for granted. You know, I agree on and that. the same thing for women. Yeah. You know, if a woman comes and jumps in a man's arms and he didn't have to do anything to chase her. That's or, easy. You know, he just takes it for granted, you know, and there's no reason for him to, um, you know, to put in the extra mile to, you know, get the chocolates, to get the flowers, to, you know, pay attention to her moves and all that stuff, you know, because she, she just jumped in, you know. Um, so I guess that going to that is important for a woman to, um, to, play the modest role, you know, to be modest, you know, to allow them to chase, you know, guys like that. Okay, so, overall, learning to love yourself and your flaws and all, and accepting who you are, and mm-hmm. what is the biggest thing that you learned from your childhood up to now, mm-hmm. from your experiences? Um, How has it shaped you into the person you are now? It's made me more uh, confident in who I am, and it's made me realize how much I can actually put myself through or go through in life um, without breaking down, without yes. you know, seeing that, power. Um, you know, seeing how I can break through any type of adversity that I've been through, or when someone throws like an insult or a common insult at you, right. I just shrug it off and keep walking. <laughs> like, okay. I, like, I don't care. It's like I've overcome because you're not you're not a you know you know they're not. You know, kids are some of the worst to each other. You know, like kids are evil to each other. Right. You know, and so, like, I've heard worse. You know, I had my feelings destroyed way worse by mm-hmm. uh, kids um, yelling at me or insulting me, whatever. I would just be girls be like, hey, you're ugly. I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> you're ugly. I want to fight you. And it's like, no. Why? <laughs> Why? Yeah. So, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, so yeah. that that part of it helped me. You know, I... I'm more confident in who I am and what I'm capable of. Um, I guess the other thing is that um, through my struggles, I'm able to help other people right. um, understand their self-worth and um, how to uh, lead meaningful lives, which is another one of the things I wanted to bring up is that um, you have to learn to be less selfish in your life. Um, one of the things about depression is that depression in a lot of ways is like narcissism or um, over over self-love because um, narcissism is constantly um, looking at oneself and like oh my god look I'm beautiful and perfect I got all this and all that right. you know and it's you know that's the positive form of narcissism but depression is the reverse of that it's look at me I'm ugly. Look at me. I'm disgusting. Look at me. I can't do anything right. Look at me. You know, you see, it's like two sides of the same coin, but just flipped. You know, it's the dark side of the yin and yang, basically. Facts. And so with depression, you know, you're constantly looking at yourself. You know, me this, me this. I'm never right. That's why, you know, professionals always tell you to get out get out go out do something go to the park do the things that you think you hate you know talk to people go to the party you know go to the gym interact with people the reason why is because you need to break your mind out of that me mindset you know and start looking at other people and not only that not even um, to help you out of depression you need to do that in your everyday life because um people find a good amount of uh enjoyment in serving other people it is inherent in each and every one of us that um 
that when we do that good act, you know, uh, walking down the street, you see a homeless person, they don't have anything, they're asked for a couple of dollars, you give it to them. For the rest of the day, you feel happy. Like, look, I did a good deed today. You served someone else's goals without even getting any reciprocation back. Um, and which is, which is good. Um, uh, by being selfless, you, you make yourself worthy of being, um, loved by yourself you know like look i'm a great guy i'm I'm gonna go out of my way to make sure that the people around me are happy that the people around me aren't suffering or in lack you know you don't have to change the world you don't have to change you know your entire uh, state or your city Mm -hmm. but you can change your neighborhood you can change your house you know you can change your intermediate family you know or just change your room clean up your room like in uh, the book 12 rules for life by dr jordan peterson he says, you know, a lot of times he tells his clients, um, start small, give yourself small attainable goals and work towards it. Right. Even if it's just cleaning your room every day. Once you get that down, you start to, uh, you know, pick bigger and bigger goals. And before you know it, your whole house is beautiful and immaculate, you know, in the same, in the same way, you know, you gotta, um, you know, by being selfless, you can change your entire community and your entire mental viewpoint in life, mm. you know, and before you know it, you're not worried about my self-worth or you're not worried about, you know, I'm not confident because you know what you've done, you know, you're capable of, right. you know, um, you know that you've done good in this world, that there are things um, that would be like a mess without you. So now you have uh, a stake in this world that my life has meant something now, mm-hmm. you know? If you work tirelessly for self-worth or self-gain or, um, you know, doing everything just for you, um, then you feel more depressed because what can you say? What legacy have you left behind other than, you know, oh, he worked himself to death. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a very hard worker. I can say that about him, you right. know? It's like, well... What else, you know, what did they do with the time, you know, and that's important to think about. That's very important. So I want to say, you guys, thank you for tuning in. And Rashawn, mm-hmm. thanks. It was nice having you mm-hmm. speak on a lot of great topics and shared a lot of information. Yeah, I was happy to talk and, you know, give my perspective on things. Yes, I would totally love to have you next time. Um, so... Hopefully you can join me soon. Yeah, we shall see. All right. Well, thanks, you guys, for tuning in. She Speaks is the name. I will hear from you guys soon. Remember, self-love is the best love. Take care, you guys.